Welcome to the Veterans Perspective, presented by the Michigan Veterans Affairs Agency, with your host, Director of the MVAA, Zanetta Adams. Welcome back to the Veterans Perspective. I'm your host, Zanetta Adams, Director of the Michigan Veterans Affairs Agency, and today we're talking about LGBTQ plus Pride Month, uh, what it is, who can take part in it, and the history of how June became Pride Month. Uh, you know, we are going to be speaking with Erica Hoover, who is the Women Veterans and Special Populations Coordinator at the NBAA, Julie Courtright, the Health and Welfare Analyst with the Michigan Veterans Affairs Agency, and also co-lead for the Michigan Governor's Suicide Prevention Challenge, and Andrea Norton, the Women Veterans Program Manager at the Saginaw VA Medical Center. This is a show that you don't want to miss. It's full of resources, and it also talks about how you can be an ally in the fight to make sure veterans of all areas um, and gender, race, sexual orientation are getting access to their benefits. So stick around. We'll be right back on the Veterans Perspective. Welcome back to the Veterans Perspective. Today we're talking about LGBTQ plus Pride Month, which is the month of June. And, you know, we'll be talking with several guests who can provide some perspective on the military. But, you know, I wanted to, to, to talk, just touch a little bit on the history of it. As we, you know, as we know that uh, many things take time to, 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 um, to be changed, unfortunately, when there's, when there are, big changes coming our way, it, it, it doesn't happen overnight. And so, you know, as we talked about uh, about a week or so ago, we talked about Juneteenth, you know, as we're talking about, now we're talking about um, LGBTQ month, we're talking about veterans who fall into that population. And, I, you know, I'd be remiss if we didn't talk about Don't Ask, Don't Tell. But, you know, I, I really wanted to talk about, you know, just the, the a little bit of the origin of it. And a lot of that started with the stone wall uprising. You can check that out on the history channel, but it was, you know, it was an attack against, uh, you know, gays and lesbians well into um, like 1969, I believe it was. And, you know, the fir first pride march in New York was held on June 28, 1970, which was the one year anniversary of the stone wall uprising. And that was information from the library of Cong Congress. Uh, and then, you know, that was actually the same that was the same day as the march, but it was also a way for those folks who identified in those areas to be able to feel like they had a day where they could be who they were. And so fast forward, we talk about the laws that were in place in the military and the laws that were in place to, to uh, don't ask, don't tell. I'm sure you all remember that. Um, and it was it was, a, it was something that if you talk to some of those veterans who served during that time, there were veterans who were dishonorably discharged, not because they tra were traitors to their country, not because they did anything, um, they got in a fight or did anything to harm anyone, but they were discharged simply because of who they loved or who, how they associated themselves. And those are stains that we are still trying to correct today, you know, in the form of discharge upgrades. And that's for those veterans who come forward. But I do, I do want to say to those veterans out there who were discharged under Don't Ask, Don't Tell, which was actually repealed in uh, 2011, 
that, you know, we can get you connected and help you um, with the right discharge upgrade, um, because that is something that you should not be penalized and should not be able to access your benefits and resources because of that stain on your discharge paperwork. So we, you know, we are um, partnering with uh, the National Veterans Law uh, Group, who actually assist with discharge upgrades at no cost to you. And so if you're one of those individuals who were discharged under Don't Ask, Don't Tell um, with an other than honorable discharge, anything other than honorable, um, for that reason, then, you know, we can assist you with that. And we can assist with discharge upgrades in general. But I wanted to make sure that as we're talking about this, that you understood that that's a possibility. You don't have to live with that. You don't have to hide in the shadows. And, you know, it was it was um, in 2016, I just just to kind of go back a little bit to that historical background, you know, uh, President uh, Barack Obama designated the site of the riots uh, where the Stonewall Inn was. Um, a national monument in recognition of the area contribution to, to gay rights. And I think it's important that we are still making sure we're moving the needle and having these conversations because there are a lot of veterans out there who are not identifying because they feel shame. They don't, um, they, they did not like their military service as it relates to this issue. And it's causing mental health uh, challenges. It's causing depression anxiety, suicidal ideations. And I, I want to let you know that you're not alone. We're here to support you. You know, we are, we are, we are tackling these issues. We're making sure we're raising awareness. We're providing um, culturally competent um, trainings to organizations who want it. And so if you're that type of organization who wants to, to know more about how to address this community, how to, 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 to invite this community in to, to receive the resources and benefits that you offer, you can always give us a call at 1-800-MISHVET. That's 1-800-642-4838. And we'll get you connected to Erica Hoover, who is our Women Veterans and Special Populations uh, Coordinator. And she really works with the community of LGBTQ+, and is working on suicide prevention efforts along with the team that you're going to be hearing from today to tackle these issues and to make sure that, you know, all veterans who serve feel like the veteran that they should, no matter their, their race, their gender, their sexual orientation, their religion, any of those things. And so I encourage you that if you're that veteran and you want to learn more about the resources and opportunities that are out there for you, that you give us a call at 1-800-MISHVET. That's 1-800-642-4838. If you need to talk to somebody, um, and I'm going to say this throughout our show, you can always uh, call 988. So 988-PRESS-1. That's for the Veterans Crisis Line, just to have a conversation if you're struggling with some mental health challenges right now. Um, especially as it relates to your service. And, you know, uh, I just want to, I want you to be encouraged. I want you to know that you're not alone. There's a community out there who is rallying behind you, um, who supports the fact that you serve and that you should receive all the services that you earn during your service. And we want to make sure that we're connecting you to those services. So, you know, when we return from the commercial break, you'll be hearing from Erica Hoover. You'll be hearing from Andrea Norton and you'll be hearing from Julie Courtright as we talk about and try to unpack some of these things and the challenges that our um, LGBTQ plus community has faced um, in the veteran space, but also unpack how you can be an ally and change the course of how we're treating veterans overall, but especially veterans that are underserved and are, are not utilizing the resources. 
So you wanna stick around because we'll be right back on the veteran's perspective. Welcome back to the Veterans Perspective. We are talking about LGBTQ plus Pride Month and joining us and welcoming back to the show. Actually, we're going to welcome her back to the show is one of our favorites, Erica Hoover, who's been working at the MVAA and serving veterans since October 2017. In her role, she identifies challenges and barriers that female veterans or women veterans and special populations face works with community partners to implement best practices and innovative solutions and performs interagency public and federal veterans affairs advocacy work. She is also the chair of the Michigan Women Veterans Coalition, a statewide coalition created by the Michigan Veterans Affairs Agency to engage with federal, state, and local organizations to solve statewide women veterans issues. Welcome back to the show, Erica. Thank you, Director Adams. It's so good to be back again. And also, I want to welcome to the show Julie Courtright. She is the health and welfare analyst with the Michigan Veterans Affairs Agency. She enjoys opening the lines of communication and facilitating health care coordination for the clients she serves. With over 16 years in both hospital and long-term care, Julie has experience in program development, strategic implementation, and collaboration. Julie holds her degree from Ferris State University and professional licensure as a nursing home administrator. She also currently serves as the co-lead for the Michigan Governor's Challenge Initiative, which looks at innovative and community-based ways to end suicide amongst service members, veterans, and their families, and is on the Michigan Hospital Association Health Equity Task Force, where she advocates for inclusion of military screening and referral processes to ensure service members, veterans, and their families are connected to all earned benefits. Welcome back to the show, Julie. Thank you, Director Adams. And finally joining us today, um, is Andrea Norton. Andrea is an Air Force veteran and community engagement and partnership coordinator at the Saginaw VA. She is passionate about working with communities to help promote a public health approach to suicide prevention and increase the awareness of the rich diversity that exists in the veteran community. She currently serves as lead for the Michigan Governor's Challenge LGBTQ Veteran Subcommittee, which aims to increase the visibility and awareness of this historically excluded veteran population. Welcome back to the show, Andrea. Thank you so much, Director So, you know, we're talking about um, Pride Month. You know, June is Pride Month. Um, it was uh, named Pride Month. I mean, maybe you all know a little bit more of the history, but it was named Pride Month, um, I believe, what was in the last 10, 10 years? Am I off base on that? Anybody know? 
Well, that's all right. We'll, 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 we'll talk a little bit more about that later on, but, um, you know, let's talk about um, the LGBTQ community. And, and, and I really want to be able to talk to you all about some of the, the challenges we have. And let's, let's, let's actually start in the beginning. Um, so um, Andrea and Erica, you both served in the military, correct? Yes. And, uh, you know, we, we deal with the veteran population. It's not just women. We deal with um, veterans that some of them, quite frankly, who may be um, a part of the LGBTQ community, but have still probably won't identify amongst their um, veteran peers. But, um, you know, as we talk about this community, I'd love to know more first, first, and I'll start with you, Andrea, about your military experience and, and what that was like um, being a part of the LGBTQ community. Well, I, I joined a month out of high school. So I joined the Air Force and I was you know, just shy, just over my 18th birthday. And when I joined, um, you know, I don't know that I identified necessarily as a, a member of the LGBTQ community. I, you know, it's, it was something that I, I knew I was different. I knew, um, you know, that that was a thing, but I don't know that I own that identity. But when I went into the military, it was definitely uh, not something that I could have been open about anyways. You know, it was, I was under Don't Ask, Don't Tell, the discriminatory policy um, for eight and a half years, the entire time that I served. So there was definitely um, an air of, of secrecy. You had to just really mind who you were talking to, what you were talking about, who was around. You just really had to be careful. I mean, I saw people be kicked out simply for being gay. And it was, so that was a little scary, you know, just to know that your whole career can end just because somebody, um, out to you. So it was, it was really challenging. You don't feel like you can show up fully. And it, it's kind of odd to me that the Air Force's core values, the first one is integrity first, yet you're put in a position where you can't be in integrity with yourself. So that was, I mean, I think just trying to balance that, you know, I have a lot of great memories of the Air Force, but there was always that, that part of me that knew I couldn't be fully who I was in that space. You served honorably. You, you know, were discharged. You did your job. You showed up. You did everything you were called to do. And so that should have no bearing on your service and how you're treated. Well, what was interesting is it, even though it's, it's this overarching policy, I mean, I think just like in any, um, in any sector, your leadership really, you know, they decide what to enforce sometimes. And so, you know, where I worked, I was an intelligence analyst and I was fortunate that I had leadership that really, I mean, they kind of ignored it in a way because they, you know, we had people in our unit that, I mean, it's, if you do your job, it shouldn't matter. And so I think that they, they turned a blind eye because it shouldn't have mattered. So they really and they didn't agree with it. So whether, you know, they probably could have gotten in trouble for not enforcing it if somebody above them had, you know, said something, but I, I really respected them because of the fact that they, it was what you did and, and, and how good 
of a of an airman you were not you know something like that that should have no barring on your ability to serve i i definitely agree with that and the fact that your experience was not um you know the fact that your experience you had people that were understanding around you was was critical you know i've had conversations with uh women uh, veterans who they had a, a totally a totally opposite experience where you know, it culminated in fights to the point where some of them were even um, military sexual trauma survivors, you know, because this don't ask, don't tell was hanging over their head. It's kind of like, you know, you do this with me or I'm going to ruin your entire career. And that's harsh. Women were disproportionately discharged under don't ask, don't tell. And what people don't realize is, you know, what a lot of civilians don't realize is that the UCMJ, you're guilty until you prove you're innocent. And not the, not like it is in the traditional judicial system where you're innocent until proven guilty. So the burden of proof falls on the accused. How do you prove your heterosexuality? Well, and then on the on the flip side, right? How do you how do you report an MST when the MST is related to something about yourself that you're trying to hide so that you don't get dishonorably discharged? and lose integrity, lose job opportunities when you get out of the military and all, and the livelihood that comes with, you know, honorably serving, how, how do you report that? So now there's a continuing, you know, uh, there's a continuing abuse to that veteran who just signed up to volunteer to serve their country. And if the burden of proof falls on you, all it takes is one accusation and then an investigation starts. So it could be something as arbitrary as turning down a date for someone and then they say, oh, well, that's because you're a lesbian or that's because, you know, and so then all of a sudden an investigation starts and, and all you did was turn someone down. So it's, it's, I've seen a lot of, and heard about a lot of really, really awful stories. Awful stories. Well, you know, when we come back from the commercial break, we'll be talking a little bit more about, um, not only don't ask, don't tell, but, you know, the mental health resources that are out there and what you all are doing to kind of help the community um, of underserved veterans. And so, uh, you know, if you are listening to this show right now, um, just don't forget that we're here to help. You can always um, contact us at 1-800-MISFIT. That's 1-800-642-4838 to get connected to any of the resources we're going to talk about today. Um, you can also um, call 988-PRESS-1 for the Veterans Crisis Line or 1-800-273-8255-PRESS-1. We'll be right back at, on the Veterans Perspective. Welcome back to the Veterans Perspective, presented by the Michigan Veterans Affairs Agency. Now, your host, director of the MVAA, Zanetta Adams. Welcome back to the Fe Veterans Perspective. Joining me are, is Andrea Norton of the Saginaw VA, uh, Erica Hoover, the Women Veterans and Special Populations Coordinator at the MVAA, and Julie Courtright, who is a co-lead for the Michigan Governor's Suicide Prevention Challenge. Welcome back to the show, 
ladies, um, we are talking about LGBTQ and Pride Month and some of the challenges that, um, you know, veterans face are faced and some may still face while serving in the military. Now, I know that Don't Ask, Don't Tell has been repealed, but that doesn't mean that um, the issues have gone away. You know, I was just um, this uh, last week at some Pride, uh, not Pride, I'm sorry, some uh, Juneteenth events. And one of the things I found interesting when we talk about the fact that um, slavery uh, was abolished uh, apparently in 1863, but some, some slaves didn't realize it until 1865, is the same type of sentiment when we talk about the LGBTQ community, whereas, um, you know, the quote unquote pen penalties for um, don't ask, don't tell have been repealed. However, I know that there's still an issue with people serving who are, um, who identify as LGBTQ. Um, you know, Erica, am I off base or, you know, what are you hearing in the community? Hi, Director Adams. Yeah, no, I think that it's still true. It's still hard to be who you are in military spaces. Um, and I, you know, I could swing that back around to, you know, my, my service and serving, you know, part of don't ask, don't tell. And then after the repeal where, you know, I was so used to not being able to be who I was and marry those two identities together. Um, it's really just taken, you know, this time and, 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 and this work and working with Andrea and, and other folks in the community, going to pride events and doing that outreach that I've actually been able to be like a veteran and a, and a woman and a, and a person that's part of the LGBTQ plus community. And I think that that's, you know, something that, that folks will wrestle with for a really long time until, you know, things change in the military. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, it's a challenge and, and I think it will continue to be a challenge, which is why I'm so glad that we're doing, you know, shows like this and, you know, the outreach efforts that we're, we're starting to do. So you're, you're working with, um, you know, this community, are you seeing people more readily able to identify because they know that you understand or how, how are you reaching this population besides, you know, things like the show and, and the, she is a veteran campaign, which I know featured, you know, Andrea Norton talking about her story. Um, you know, how else are you reaching these, uh, this population? Yeah, we're really starting to go out into the community um, and, and, and non-veteran spaces and talking about, you know, in LGBTQ spaces about what, what being a veteran is like and that veteran cultural competency um, and, and getting them to understand what that was like to be in the military so we can do outreach to LGBTQ plus folks. Um, you know, I went to a recently, I went to a loons game and did an outreach and there were so many like young people able to be who they, who they are, which was incredibly, you know, moving. Um, and then also a lot of folks that were in the military and they identify, you know, as lesbian, gay, bisexual, trans, you know, all of those things. Um, and, and they're having a conversation with me about their military experience and they hadn't talked about it. And, and years like that, that's just not something that they, that they think about. And so to have us at an event and be able to talk about veteran benefits and that you can be both of those things, you can be all of those identities and still get the benefits that you earned and deserved in the military. Um, it's, it's incredibly healing. Um, well, and, and yeah. Well, and Erica, you also mentioned nobody's probably asked them before. So just being in those spaces and asking the questions, asking, have you served? Like if you're in a space where you're not even expecting someone to ask you that, like that can, that can be awesome because 
you have the opportunity to share your story then. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's very true. What, what I would love for our listeners to put in perspective, you know, Don't Ask, Don't Tell was repealed in September of 2011. So that's what, you know, almost 11 years ago, it was repealed, but you still have people serving in the military that have been, you know, in leadership positions at the time that Don't Ask, Don't Tell was not repealed. So trying to change the mindset, trying to change, you know, change the dialogue, trying to make sure that it's not something that's penalized. You know, while that change happened, you still have people that were serving, like you mentioned, Andrea, or I'm sorry, Erica, you know, before the repeal of Don't Ask, Don't Tell, they're still serving in leadership positions now. I mean, you have people that retired 20, 30, 40 years, you know, later, and they're they're serving, serving in these, these leadership roles. And so we have to make sure that there's an understanding out there that I believe when you put on the uniform and you take that oath and swear to serve this country, because I, I haven't seen a draft any, any time lately, right. Since um, Vietnam war or, but you know, when you volunteer to sign up, then all the rights that come with willing to put, being willing to put your life on the line should come to you, no matter what your sexual orientation is, your race, your gender, none of those things should matter or, or your religious uh, you know, affiliation, any of those things, because you were willing to lay your life down for America, for the United States. And so that I need people to understand that. And as we talk about this topic, we know that there are veterans out there who've taken their lives, who've had suicidal ideations, who are struggling because of dishonorable discharges and, and dealing with mental health challenges. What are you all doing in this space to try to move that needle forward? And I'll, and I'll start with you, Julie. What, you know, you're working on the governor's challenge and we, we have these three different areas that we're working on. You know, how are you taking, taking what we're talking about and applying it to the LGBTQ community? Really, the first step is just forming our group, our veteran LGBTQ plus subcommittee, because uh, there's 50 other states participating in this initiative. Michigan is the only state that has a focus group on this. And really, um, as both Erica and Andrea have mentioned, really going into LGBTQ plus spaces and providing information on suicide prevention resources. We also have the Michigan Veteran Connector and really encouraging them to ask a military screening question um, because we know that if someone's coming in, they're identifying and they feel comfortable in that space, if they're hearing it from someone they trust, they know that, you know, there's potential benefits available to you. We would love to help you connect. We can connect you to someone who is an ally, who's a veteran service officer that can assist you. Um, It's just, it's a warm handoff, another area where they know that they can go to because that's part of their community and they trust them and trust that they, they can go seek their benefits potentially. And so we talk about those people who are allies, you know, you know, in the world we hear, we hear allyship a lot. Um, and I think, you know, as you talk about the Michigan Veteran Connector, this is how the community who's not veteran specific, who doesn't understand, you know, what happened or what's going on with this population can get involved to, to say, you know what, I can connect a veteran. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter, you know, when they served, where they served, whether they were woman or male, I can connect someone who served in the military to resources. And when I connect them to their resources, I know that there are resources there for their specific needs. And so how can how can people be more allies? How can they get signed up or find out more 
about how they can become allies in this in this uh, fight, I guess. Yeah, definitely. They can reach out to us at 1-800-MISHFET. We walk through the process. We do training. Um, Andrea and I have done multiple educational sessions, um, but really just providing those tools, especially letting them know that there's ability to have discharge upgrades, which is huge. People are unaware of that. Well, and what I thought was really interesting is just having the conversation, Um, being able to talk to these LGBTQ organizations who it just it just wasn't on their radar and they have an intersectional approach with all these other identities. And they, it just was a gap that it was a blind spot. Yeah. yeah I, I definitely recognize that. And, you know, we're going to talk a little bit more about what your outreach has yielded so far. Um, you know, after the commercial break, again, if you're listening to this and you need to be connected to resources, um, just as Julie mentioned, call us at 1-800-MISHFIT. That's 1-800-642-4838. And if you need to talk to somebody and you don't have to be suicidal, but you just you, you want to talk to somebody because you're struggling or your things have resurfaced, you can press you can call 988 press one to reach the Veterans Crisis Line. We'll see you after the commercial break on the Veterans Perspective. Welcome back to the final segment of the Veterans Perspective, and we're still talking with Andrea Norton, Julie Courtright, and Erica Hoover. And, you know, um, as we talk about, you know, just the fact that, you know, we haven't been having these conversations for very long. Um, You know, we we look at the fact that, you know, President Clinton, you know, declared Gay and Lesbian Pride Month in, in June 1999 and 2000, and then President Obama in 2009 and 2016 declared June as LGBTQ Pride Month and then in 2021. Biden declared uh, June as LGBTQ plus Pride Month. And so uh, we're still trying to figure out what we're, what we're, how we're addressing this community um, just even a year ago, but how we're making sure we're inclusive of the community. And so as we talk about Pride Month overall, we know that we have a large sect of veterans and, and, and people serving in the military still that fall within those groups. And so we're talking about the services and, and maybe the lack thereof for that community. Uh, but, you know, the MBAA and, and the Governor's Suicide Prevention Challenge, along with Andrea at the Saginaw VA, are working hard to make sure we're reaching those veterans. Um, Erica, can you talk a little bit about some of the things that you're doing um, and specifically with some of the outreach? Yeah, I mean, I think that's that's what it is right now, really, is the, the bulk of the work um, is education and outreach. Like that's, we have to be in a lot of places. And so, you know, this, this work group that we have, you know, we're able to have many, many hands, um, talk about this initiative and talk about what it's like to be an LGBTQ plus veteran, um, in, in this world now, and how do we get you connected and what was your service like? And, you know, you don't have to be, a, a you know, you don't have to identify, as part of the LGBTQ plus community to help somebody in the community. 
Um, you just have to be culturally understanding and respectful and, you know, you want to help a veteran. Um, and so really education and a lot of outreach, like we're really just trying to get out, get out there and, and talk to people. You may, you raise a great point, Erica, you know, you know, in some DEI training we had a couple of years ago, one of the things that stuck out to me was that it takes the folks who are not the minority, not in the minority to change the dialogue, to change the atmosphere. And so you don't have to be a part of the LGBTQ plus community in order to be an ally and an advocate for that community. And, you know, Andrew, we were at a, uh, a, a summit a couple months ago or in May, actually, it's, the time is running. Um, and uh, you talked about some of the ways that you're reaching the community specifically. I think you were making calls to some of the folks just to, 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 to have them identify their veterans. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Well, I think it really, I mean, I, I'm just going to reemphasize a lot of what Erica says. It's about having the conversations. And, you know, I, it's really because of Erica, I'll, I'll be honest, in doing this year as a veteran campaign and sharing my story that I realized the impact that that has and the ripples that that causes, because it's not really in my comfort zone. It's, I'm more of a hype person. I like to get other people to do those things and, and encourage and cheerlead. But, you know, I, I took a risk and really put myself out there. But it's when when someone's willing to do that, it gives other people permission to do that as well. And so um, I think the more people that that can share their stories and just raise that visibility, be able to put a face to an issue and a cause like because that's really what's moved the needle in the broader LGBTQ um, movement is storytelling. When you have a neighbor, a sister, a friend, a pastor, anybody in your community who is willing to, you know, who, who identifies that way, now it's, it's not an abstract cause. Now it's that person you know. And so I really think that that, that matters. And, and like I said, um, being able to get, get into veteran spaces and talk about the diversity of the veteran experience, the fact that it's the most diverse population, yet we have such a narrow conception of what a veteran looks like. And so I really think promoting the that the diversity of the veteran experience and also really getting into LGBTQ spaces and really talking about these issues because it's just not, so, you know, myself, when I came out of the military, that was the community that embraced me. That's where I felt the most comfortable because I wasn't able to exercise that part of my identity or, or develop that part of my identity while I was serving. So if, if somebody would have talked to me about, or mentioned, if I saw one other veteran in that space talking about benefits and resources, I think I might've probably gotten connected to them a lot sooner. And so I really think just consistently raising the visibility and awareness so that people, when they think of veteran, they realize it is a very diverse population and, and it has unique needs, all different aspects of it. So, but thank you for that. So Erica, you know, you were able to convince Andrea and, you know, other women to participate in the She is a Veteran campaign. How do you, how do you help a veteran overcome their fear of the past and how they were treated previously 
to actually share their story? How, how would you encourage someone listening today to, to be able to share their story? Oh, that's a big one. So, you know, these, these, these women, they weren't, uh, you know, I didn't, I didn't force them to, I encouraged them to, and then I supported them through it. And I think that as our, you know, as our, our, our veteran, you know, brothers and sisters and, you know, our friends and our family and, you know, as people start, you know, giving that we, we give them space to be who they are right first. And then, you, you listen to their, you listen to them talk. Like it's, it's not very hard. It's not very hard to be an ally. It's not very hard to respect other people and their stories and where they're coming from. Um, and you know, we, we discussed this at, at our women veterans conference and, you know, when, when I was up on the stage and I talked about, you know, being a part of this community and I didn't know how that worked as being a veteran, um, afterwards, I had three people come up to me and talk to me and say, thank you, because they haven't, you know, they haven't had anybody to identify with um, since they've been out of the military. And it really helped open their eyes. And so I think as you get brave and as you get the ability to learn what your story is and articulate what your story is, um, it becomes a little bit easier to say those things. And the more you can say them, the more you can talk about them, the more power you know, that, that you have in, in your space and, and, and as an advocate, as an ally, as all of those things. Um, storytelling is so powerful. And somebody will connect with it. Somebody will connect with your story. You have no idea that like how many people it will resonate with. And I will say that, you know, for those listening, you know, including today, we have six days left in this month. This, this month is set aside as Pride Month. Um, as LGBTQ plus Pride Month. And so this is an opportunity and a safer space to be able to say, you know what, hashtag, you know, LGBTQ plus Pride Month, this is my story. And so take advantage of the fact that the awareness is raised for this month and it's been being raised, you know, for, you know, uh, several years now. And this is a time to take advantage of it. Um, you know, any, any last words or, you know, uh, places that veterans can go to find out more information, Julie, as far as how they can get involved in some of these groups we're talking about? Um, the easiest would be reaching out to 1-800-MICHVET. Uh, we have a lot of great resources. Uh, we provided education to all our Michigan veteran connectors of resources for LGBTQ, including that there's access uh, to services at the VA for um, healthcare, physical, mental. Um, we had about 19 of the 450 that received that. They were, were just not aware that there was supports available for the community and that there was ability to do discharge upgrades. So reach out to us and we'll get you connected. Yep, and all better LVA hospitals have an LGBTQ plus veteran care coordinator, and that is the point person that is somebody that can help you navigate resources, that can help you get connected to the benefits that you need. And there are a lot of LGBTQ specific um, healthcare options, things like, especially for trans health, there's a lot of different resources out there. So really, I think get it to get enrolled in the VA and really um, there is some support and resources out there. All right. So um, that's all the time we have right now. Thank you so much ladies for joining us today. Um, you know, just remember you can give us a call or you can call the Veterans Crisis Line. We'll see you next week on the Veterans Perspective.